Cornerstone Podcast. This is the podcast where we share teachings, reflections, and updates on our church planting project in Makati City, Philippines. Our mission is to engage the city with the gospel, establish the people in the local church, and equip the church to serve the city and beyond. Hello everyone, welcome back. This is the second lesson for our 10-part Gospel Immersion series. I am Abbot Almanza, pastor and church planter for Cornerstone, Makati. In the previous lesson, you were asked to write your personal definition of the gospel. And in the group discussions last weekend, some participants shared what they wrote. So thank you for those who shared, and I appreciate your thoughts and your honesty. If you are listening to this lesson for the first time, welcome as well. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first one so you will have context on what we will discuss today. So for the rest of us, I want you to keep what you wrote of the personal definition of the gospel because at the end of the series, I will again ask you to write the same thing so you can compare the two things that you wrote, if there's any difference, if there's any change. So if you will do the same thing to, let's say, a hundred people, if you ask them to write what the gospel is, whether they're Christian or not, chances are you will get a hundred different answers. And half of it, perhaps even more, will miss the essence of the biblical gospel completely. You know, over the years, the gospel message has been diluted, twisted, set aside, misinterpreted, and presented in a wrong way so much that it does not look or sound like the gospel at all. Providentially, the Lord has been gracious to us that the message of the gospel is still within our reach today. And if we have the discipline to immerse ourselves in God's word, we will be able to discern some faulty understandings about the gospel and hopefully peel away unhealthy notions about it. So in the second lesson, I will mention some misconceptions about the gospel that we may have believed along the way. And what I hope is that we can unlearn them. And I will also share how we can steer away from these misconceptions. But first, let me ask you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. So you are looking at a letter of St. Paul to a young minister named Timothy. And he has been mentoring Timothy for quite a long time. Just keep it open to chapter 3 and chapter 4. Look at the first five verses of chapter 3. Here's what it says. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, 
not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. You know that is a terrifying warning. But for me, the most terrifying description here is the last part. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. In other words, someone who looks and sounds like a Christian but his heart is really not converted. And Paul's instruction is to tell Timothy, avoid them. But pastor, how can we share the gospel to people if we are called to avoid them? We need to keep in mind that the instruction here is in the context of influence. Paul is saying to Timothy, do not allow these people to influence what you ought to teach to others. You need to be influenced by something else, and we will talk about that later on. Now look at chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Here's what Paul says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You know, we must be aware that false gospels are very much alive and present today. It is true then, it is still true now. And the reason why false gospels are dangerous is because it will not sound demonic at all. It will sound appealing. It will sound attractive because our sinful nature causes us to drift away from the biblical gospel and move from things that will actually suit our passion. So it's easier now in, in our highly connected world to just listen to different influences and allow it to shape our understanding of who God is, what the Bible is, and what the gospel is. So we really need to identify some of our misconceptions so we can stop ourselves from drifting away. So now let me identify four common misconceptions that we may have about the gospel. The first misconception, I think, is the most common one, is to say that the gospel is for non-believers only. This is a misconception that says, now that I know and believe the gospel, I can move on to deeper things. I can move on to mature things. My friend, there is nothing deeper, nothing more beautiful truth than the story of God saving us by His grace through faith in Jesus for His glory. This is a misconception that says, when I sense the pastor is again talking about the gospel and the cross of Jesus Christ and about repentance and faith, it is meant to be heard by my non-Christian friend and not me. And we tune out the voice of the pastor at that moment because we say, well, it's not for me, it's for my friend. This misconception considers the gospel 
merely as an entry point to heaven. And when I am in, I move on to bigger, more important matters of faith. If the gospel is true, then it remains true both to you or to someone who is not Christian. We do not move on. We do not graduate from the gospel. Yes, believing in the gospel leads us to salvation, but it gives us so much more. One famous author would say, the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. It is the A to Z or the A to Z of Christianity. You know, when we say that the gospel is only necessary for one's conversion, then that means our Christian walk from that point forward is merely motivated by self-righteousness and not grace. We need the gospel message to be saved. We need the gospel message to battle sin. We need the gospel message in our service to one another. And we will learn more about this on Lesson 8 when we discuss gospel renewal. So first misconception is that the gospel is for non-believers only. Second one. The second misconception is when we confuse the gospel message versus the effects of the gospel. Let me explain. One might say that the gospel is, I am forgiven. Or that the gospel is, I'm going to heaven. Or the gospel is doing something good for the society so that it will change for God's glory. Or that the gospel is that I am victorious over sin. You know, those things are true, but they are merely great benefits of the gospel and not the ultimate goal. There is a greater reality beyond those benefits. So just like in marriage... You don't say, I married my spouse so that I have someone to help me manage my life. I have someone to take care of me so that I will enjoy intimacy with someone. No, you married your spouse because you want to be with him, to be with her for the rest of your life. So again, going back to the effects of the gospel, the reason you are forgiven so that you can be with God without your sins hindering you from getting near to a holy, righteous, perfect God. The reason you go to heaven is so that you get to experience the fullness of God in all His glory. The reason why the gospel brings social transformation is because Christ is king over all and community change is a visual evidence of how he rules. And the reason you are victorious over sin is because Christ has set you free from its curse. You are no longer slave to sin so that you can enjoy God forever. Here's what First uh, Peter 3.18 says, For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous, Jesus, for the unrighteous, us, for what purpose? That he might bring us to God. That is the ultimate goal. That is the gospel that we will be brought near to God. 
third one is the misconception of good news and good advice. The gospel is not primarily a way of life. It is not something we do, but something that has been done for us and something we must respond to. That is a direct quote from Tim Keller's book, Center Church. Unfortunately, we have heard or we have presented the gospel merely as a way of life, applicable only to a certain type of people, as opposed to good news that affects everyone, all of life, at all times. When we present the gospel as an advice instead of a life-altering reality, then what's the difference between a self-help book and the Bible? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, to here's what he said. And I, when I came to you, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I know nothing among you except Jesus and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words, but in demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, Apostle Paul was not going to different cities, organizing conferences, offering an optional way of life to make people successful. Instead, he was risking his life literally because the news that he carries changes everything. The gospel is good news and not good advice. The last misconception, the fourth one, is reducing the gospel to a testimony. You know, I wish more people are prepared to share the testimony. I wish more people would be confident to write about how God changed their life. But writing and sharing your testimony is not always equal to the gospel. It's been a common practice for many churches to let people share their story. For example, a drug addict whose life was transformed because of Christ, a person struggling with sexual identity, finding his identity in Christ, or someone who was miraculously healed by God from a terminal disease. We want to hear these stories because they are emotionally compelling. It catches people's attention. But it is also possible to hear a compelling testimony without hearing the gospel. Let me give two reasons why this can be dangerous. First, those who hear your testimony might think that the prototype for Christian experience is your experience. Second reason why it can be dangerous, it makes you or the testimony giver the main character of the gospel. And that's a big burden to carry that we do not have to carry. And we will learn, especially in lesson four, that we are not the main character in this story. You know, I'm not saying that testimonies are bad or wrong. In fact, I'm encouraging you to write your testimony. 
And for many people, hearing a testimony was very helpful to make the gospel move from just a mere concept to a real-life, tangible truth. What I'm saying is, our testimonies, if not prepared and handled well, can be dangerous, but can also be means for the gospel to shine through, even in our weakness or triumph. You know, one of the most beautiful testimonies I heard was from a lady who was diagnosed with cancer. When she shared her testimony, she still had cancer. The healing did not come instantly. It came after over a year of chemotherapy, of physical struggle, of painful recovery. But the fact that she praised the Lord while she was still sick is an evidence of a life that is shaped by the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, while recovering, still uncertain if she will be completely well, she celebrated her birthday by gathering family and friends and in that birthday party proclaimed about the hope that she has in her Lord and Savior and challenged everyone to put their faith in the one who not only heals people but calls dead people because of sin and brings them back to life. It's a beautiful testimony. So how do we steer away from misunderstanding the gospel? First, we need to recognize that we, ourselves, we have the tendency to steer away from the biblical gospel. That's why we need to keep hearing it in the pulpit, in the preaching, every Sunday, every worship service, in the songs that we sing, we need to hear the gospel. As we pray, we need to hear the gospel as well. As we gather together in fellowship, we need to talk about the gospel. Second is we need to expose incorrect teachings about the gospel. But let me remind you, you don't have to go heresy hunting. You don't have to do that. I, as a pastor, can, can guide you towards that. What you can do is you immerse yourself with the true gospel. And the way to do that is to go to the only source of the true gospel, and that is the Bible. So let's go back to 2 Timothy. So earlier we saw the warnings of Apostle Paul in first part of chapter 3 and the first part of chapter 4. In the middle of those two warnings is his instruction on what should be the basis of influencing and shaping the gospel message for Timothy. Here's what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says. All scripture, even the parts that you don't like, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Three things I want to highlight here. One is that the scripture is inspired literally in the text it's breathed out by god that means that even though human writers physically wrote the bible the inspiration the power and the author the real author behind it is god himself and because of that 
we can trust its validity. Not only that, because it is breathed out by God, we can trust that it brings life. Second, because the Bible is God's appointed means to reveal Himself in a way that we can comprehend, that means that we can understand the Bible. So the scripture is understandable. Yes, there will be many parts of the Bible that we do not understand yet, but with consistent and careful study in private and with the help of a community, with the guidance of a preacher that faithfully preaches God's word, those difficult parts will not remain a mystery. So the scripture is inspired, it's understandable, lastly, it is profitable. It is useful to train us for righteousness, to equip us for good work, and the good work is not meant for selfish gain. You know, the Bible is most profitable when it is not ultimately about us. Let that sink in for a minute. The Bible is most profitable when it is not ultimately about us. So as we search the inspired, understandable, profitable source of the gospel, I pray that it will challenge you. I hope that it will confront you. I pray that it will correct you towards seeing the whole point of the Bible, which is to reveal the gospel story. So, how does the Bible, with all its different books, written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, written by different authors spanning thousands of years, tell just one grand story called the good news? That is what we will discuss in our lesson next week. Until then, thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks for listening. Cornerstone Makati is part of City to City Asia Pacific Church Planting Network, and we hope to be part of a movement of healthy, gospel-centered churches planted all over the world. To know more about the church, visit our website www.crcmakati.ph.